podcast sponsored by Vermeer, your experts in hand forge equipment. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Boyd Quinley. He's the regional manager for Vermeer, covering Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Louisiana. We're going to talk about drought. Before we dive in, I want to hear a little bit about you. Yeah, so been with Vermeer nine years now and have uh, you know, worked in several different roles. The opportunity to be the, the regional manager now and, and cover what I consider some of the uh, some of the best producing uh, hay markets that we have in the United States, uh, especially from the round bale perspective that where we look at it from Vermeer. Now, we just talked about an area that I might call the Southern Plains, but it's kind of your Southwest region. Tell me about the hay season from last year. You know, last year, I'll say it was a struggle at best. You know, it started off, everybody was, was positive and, you know, wanting to put up hay. And I'll tell you what, by about the middle of June, it was pretty apparent that, um, you know, it just seemed like we were missing the rains. And, you know, we had been dry from the winter to the spring. You know, that was the biggest issue compared to some previous droughts. And, I, and I've lived through some droughts here before. You know, everybody compared this one to the drought of 2011. And it's tough to compare one you know, worse than the other. Uh, I would say this one, the difference was that we had such prolonged dryness from the, the fall and the spring that we were just behind the eight ball all year. Once once everybody figured out that um, we weren't going to put up any hay uh, first cutting, that, that's when it really hit home. So we basically took the whole summer off and then had a few rain showers some decent showers in august september and a lot of people's first and only cutting did not come until you know that september october time frame so and it was minimal at best just because of the prolonged dryness so you have to say the least it was uh it was not a good year when it comes to putting up hay yeah this part of the country is a lot of livestock when i think of that part of the country i think cattle what advice do you have for livestock producers who might not have put up enough hay last year. You know, that was uh, everybody in, in this region. Everybody kind of was hoping and, and thinking that they were going to get get a cutting. And when it didn't happen, you know, that was the, <clears throat> the nail in the coffin. When you get into those situations, you've got two options. And neither one of them are a good option. You either buy uh, very expensive hay if you can find it, or you sell, you know, cattle usually at the bottom of a market, because if you're in a drought, it's flooding the market. And so those are your two options. Farmers and ranchers, I think you, know, you have to look long-term in, in either one of your options. When we look at that is, you know, maybe not sell completely out of your, your cow herd because it, it took you years to put that herd together. Uh, you know, maybe you call back some of the ones that were needing to be, be called anyways. You, you may even up that percentage just a little bit, you know, to, to save, uh, save some hay. You know, but there's some options that we have uh, as far as equipment-wise to kind of stretch that hay that does give you the ability to, to take what hay you have and what hay you have access to uh, to stretch that to give you a little bit more uh, of the hay that you have. Yeah, I know sometimes in drought conditions, you don't get the quality of hay that you're hoping for. 
the the plants when they're stressed they go reproductive earlier so they'll put a seed head on when it's shorter and they'll start converting that plant energy into seeds right and when that happens that your your quality goes downhill pretty fast so what you're talking about is feed substitutions and maybe a mixed ration right yeah correct your options when we're talking about there there's really two you know two pieces of equipment that come to mind it is number one a mixer wagon um, so to feed a, you know, a total mixed ration. And that's probably the most cost effective when it comes to getting, you know, measuring your feed and getting the most out of your feed. And the second option is a bale processor for, for processing and feeding, feeding hay. And so there's advantages and disadvantages to both of them. Uh, and it really just depends on what that producer, uh, how much they're planning on long-term and wanting to invest because, um, when you look at each one of them, it really depends on your operation and how you want to adjust your operation to feed that. So when we start with a mixer wagon, like I said, by far the most cost effective. Now you can buy protein byproducts by to up your protein level. And you're talking about the, the lesser quality hay in the drought to raise our, our protein levels up. Uh, and you get a really good, complete ration to go feed you feed your cattle. Now, when you're when you're thinking about that, you have to invest a little bit more into your farmer ranch because coming from a cow calf producer's perspective, every once in a while we can get away, you know, in the southern plains, just going out in the pasture, dumping it on the ground and feeding it. If we do get some wet winters, which you know we hope for, you, it turns into a struggle if that's if that's what you're doing. So, you know, you're having to invest in some roads and some bunks which you know is all good assets to have so that's the other thing when you look at it is you are investing but it's more for a long-term investment when you're looking at from a mixer perspective you know it's more than just purchasing the mixer and buying some rations it's actually you know how you change uh, your feeding operation at your farm going to a bale processor you know less horsepower obviously less cost and those are designed to be lighter weight and feed you know, in a range type, pasture type um, setting. So uh, not near as heavy. The advantage of just a true bale processor is stretching your hay that you already have. Uh, the numbers, you know, I've heard producers say 25%, think maybe a more conservative number of 20% is a little, uh, little more reasonable. But even at 20%, you know, you talk about high hay prices. And, and when that producer is faced with either selling his cattle or buying hay, you know, if if you take a machine that could offset 20% of your hay savings in a drought, when you have, um, say, $100 round bales and $100 even conservative for, for some of this, the hay we saw sell um, in Texas this past summer at $150, $160 bale, you know, how much more could you get out of that hay, stretching that hay longer? And then at the end of the day, you know, when Mother Nature does let it rain again and, and we go back to bale, hey, you still have that asset and, and that a piece of equipment uh, to, to, to put into your farm or ranch and use, you know, for years to come. What are some of the other things beyond the equipment? We talked about livestock and we're talking about livestock and livestock operations. There's different life stages of cattle. So we can think about different choices for calves versus uh, mama cows. Do you have any additional thoughts to layer in there? You know, so the, the heart of our customer base is, is a cow-calf producer. And we we have some some stalkers and some feeder calf guys. But when you look at, 
you know, a cow-calf producer, you know, a lot of that, especially when it pertains to drought, which is kind of what we're talking about, is, you know, if, if you see that we're getting dry, you know, you have the ability to maybe pull those calves a little bit earlier and, and help the stress level on, you know, on your mama cow, which is, which is your investment. So if we pull our calves a little bit earlier, you know, backtracking to say we did have some sort of you know, mixture wagon or something, you know, to feed some of those calves and background some of those calves, you know, you have the chance of getting a premium on that calf that, that's weaned and ready to go to sale. And you also save the stress on A, your grass, which is your biggest resource, and two, on that, on your mama cow to try to offset the stress during a drought and save uh, save what grass you have. Now, I'm from the north, and we get snow. So I'm thinking Montana, North Dakota, Canada, northern plains, and even up into Canada, we carry a lot of inventory. You just don't know how long winter's going to be. What would you call a normal inventory for a cow-calf operation in your area? Do you carry a full year's worth of inventory all the time, a year and a half, two years? You know, that that's a great question. And uh, the answer is, it depends on how close you were to a recent drought like this. <laughs> so I know that's a, that's a broad answer. To start it off, you, you know you're in a drought, then you get snow and ice in Southern Plains, like we've gotten some this winter, and people are actually excited about it because it is a little bit of moisture. So that's when you know you're, you're in a drought. So to answer that question, it was interesting. I can remember back in um, 2015, 16, you know, we had good rains in most of the region, and, and there was hay. Hay was plentiful. It was stacked in every fence row you could find. It just seemed like the um, you know, the price of hay was cheap, and, and people got maybe not as aggressive with putting up the hay they should have. And, and so, you know, the general rule with them, you know, you always want to have – if you're a rancher, you, you want to have a year's supply of hay kind of sitting there. Well, you know, it, it, we had hay uh, in every fence row, and so maybe you didn't bale the amount of hay that you should have. Uh, you know, you, you fast forward, it kind of cleans out, and then you get into a, a drought situation like this, and um, you're, you're short of hay. And so, in my opinion, in the southern plains, when you have good hay or good grass sitting there, it, the advantage of bailing it lets you capture it right there because I talked about the majority of our customers are cow calf guys to go invest in 30, 40% more mama cows for a short amount of time just really doesn't fit into a lot of those producers. So for you to go capture and harvest that, you know, that crop at, at, at the best stage you can have and, and store it, you know, to me, that's the advantage uh, of, of putting up hay. And, you know, you know what the hay is if you build it off your own place. And so you have, um, you know, you have the advantage of knowing where it came from. And as you get, you know, further from droughts, people get not as aggressive with that. But, you know, if you're talking, uh, I would say for the next several years, producers are going to bail all they can to make sure they don't end up in this situation again. Let's take a break there and we'll get a word from our sponsor. From the hay field to the feed bunk, look to Vermeer. You've got livestock to feed. You know about our lineup of mowers, rakes, and balers. Now, we're taking our legacy to the bunk. Introducing the Vermeer lineup of vertical mixers and feed wagons. 20 different makes and models to fit your operation. 
durable, long-lasting components and accurate scales with Bluetooth capability. From the field to the feed bunk, look to Vermeer. So what I ran into, and I, I worked for a large agricultural lender, and I talked to one of the old-time loan officers, and it was kind of the, the second year of a drought in Montana. I asked, how are these cattle producers doing on their feed inventory? And his response was really simple. He says, if grandpa's still around, they're carrying two years worth of inventory and they're doing okay. They haven't had to buy very much, but they are drawing down on their on their buffer stocks, right? And uh, if grandpa's gone and it's the millennial running the operation and he's running leaner because he doesn't have a lot of capital or, or something like that, they might be hurting a little bit more because they had... They haven't put as much into inventory, and now they're having to buy really expensive hay. I think that's kind of what you're getting at, is the closer you are to drought or the more experience that you have where maybe you've seen two or three of them, you might carry a little bit more inventory than you would if you've gone through some good times. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree with that more. Everybody knows the negative effects of a drought. I mean, it's terrible. You never wish it. Nobody likes it. But I, there's some light at the end of the tunnel, you know, from a perspective, uh, you know, the Southern Plains here of, of how we put up hay, it kind of brings everybody back to to a zero point because you sell out of hay, you feed all the hay you've got. So there's not that hay sitting in the fence row, you know, like I talked about earlier. And so what that really does is it puts a premium on your hay crop. And that's the biggest struggle that, you know, we've seen in, in the round bale business for sure is that you know, compared to, you know, uh, the row crop guys, you know, there's limited specs on hay. And what's the difference in good hay and poor quality hay? We talk about you know, feed analysis, and that's great. It, but it, it, it's, it seems like, you know, hay is either worth nothing or everything. And it's at one extreme or the other. When you look at, um, you know, light at the end of the tunnel of, hey, we're coming out of a drought. There's no hay left. You know that uh, you know any hay you could bale is going to be a premium value. So either you're you need it to feed your cattle, so you you have to go bale it to you know to offset the cost of buying it, or you're uh, you know you put up hay you know to sell to the public. You know that yes, while the the input costs are high, you know fertilizer's still high, you know equipment cost is high, but it's a lot easier to pencil that out. I'm using round numbers here, you know, at a hundred or $150 round bales versus $50 round bales. And so that's what I, you know, tell people that, you know, while it's, it's tough while you're in it, once you get out of it, it, it does help um, raise the value of the, of the price of hay. And it does make it a lot easier to pencil that out of investing, you know, putting some fertilizer down, investing in your hay crop uh, to allow you to put that premium product up. I couldn't agree more. The only additional thing that I'd layer into that is you can create a little bit of a whipsaw effect when your inventory gets out of whack when you're really short. You can get really long and push the prices down temporarily. But I think to your point, if we're talking a, a three to five year timeline, it really resets the market and gets you back to a little bit more normal. Couldn't agree with you more. You know, when you look at it for, for you know, hay or cattle, you know, what drought on cattle drives the prices down. But when you come out of a drought, you know, our, our supply is low. So I kind of compare this back to um, back to 2011 when we had a drought here in Texas. Um, everybody sold out. Well, well, 2012 prices came up because there wasn't enough, 
you know, there wasn't enough cattle in the market. And it takes so long, you know, for those replacement heifers you know, to get those those cattle back, those calves back into the cycle that, you know, you look up and it was, it was good cattle prices from you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, even into 16. And so while I'm not going to sit here and guarantee the market's going to be good for the next three to five years, but it, it definitely looks like it's going to be favorable and that, you know, cattle prices um, are, are set up to be favorable along with hay prices. And so, you know, while you want to come in there, like you're talking about flooding the market with a lot of hay, um, I, I think a lot of those producers, you know, surely the cow calf guy, he's not going to sell any hay because he's going to make sure he gets his one year supply back. So the, 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 for the next several years, the only really hay in the market is, is going to be the excess hay or the guy that, that just bales and sells hay you know, for his living. And, and so that's going to keep the supply, I think. Um, tamp down enough to keep those prices at, at a premium, which is good for everybody. I have a couple of resources here for producers. Uh, if you go to farmers.gov, you can search a producer's guide to drought. Fantastic content here, whether we're talking about uh, the Livestock Indemnity Program, the Livestock Forage Disaster Program. There's a whole alphabet soup of programs here available through the USDA. And if you visit with your farm service agency, you can certainly find that. Uh, all that information out there, they're completely happy to help you. That's what they're there for. The other component is drought can be really financially stressful, right? As we think about mental health resources for farmers, uh, the Farm Aid Hotline is a great place to start. Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, your your FCS office is your first biggest resource. You know, for an example, can't, you know, it's different state to state, but I know here, uh, here in Texas this past year, the freight assistance uh, from through the FCS office was, was tremendous. Um, and that allowed, you know, allowed us to kind of get outside of, uh, of our normal circles and maybe afford some of that high priced hay and offset the trucking cost. Because a lot of times, the, as you, the trucking was more than the hay. Exactly. Yeah. You get to a point, a tipping point there where, you know, the, the load of hay is equal to the trucking and it gets to where it's just not feasible. But when you have, um, you know, resources like the SDS office helping out with that, I mean, that's what saved a, a lot of, uh, you know, farmers and ranchers in this part of the world because it allowed us to, to, to go out and find what good hay was left out there and, uh, you know, and bring it back at a, um, you know, more manageable cost yeah. sure the only other thing that i'd like to add when we're talking about trucking hay is bale density i have a west coast bias where we sell hay by the ton pretty regular and pounds per cubic foot i'm going to get up on my soapbox for a minute if you're thinking about shipping hay the denser the bale the, the more you fit on the truck and and the less you're paying per pound or per ton or even on a per bale basis i suppose for that trucking so just something to keep in mind if you're if you're having to go out and ship hay and you have the choice between two equal quality uh, hay products and one has a denser bale, the one that's denser is going to be uh, cheaper to get that hay moved. If you could uh, figure out how to convince producers in the Southern Plains how to sell round bales by the ton, I would I would love that. Um, it just <laughs> seems to be... You it's know, one of the structural um, problems we have in the hay industry. It, you know, it, 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 it is, and you know, everybody kind of thinks the bale of hay is a bale of hay. So, um, yep. you know, agree with that statement. But yes, when, when you really look at what you're getting, and I think that, you know, 
from the topic of drought that we've been talking about here, it, it allows people to really do their research more because you've got more time and it, and it costs a lot more. And when the price gets up there enough, yep. you know, people start trying to, to justify and pencil it out. And, and like perfect example, like you just said there, if you have two, you know, equal, equal quality um, bales of hay, you know, the one that wins out should be the one that's more dense that has, uh, you know, has more, you know, pounds per foot in that bale. And yep. so, um, you know, that's, we have got several products at Vermeer. We try to focus on that of putting more, you know, more hay in a bale of hay to get that cost um, you know, per pound down. And then uh, I guess I, I forgot one more resource and maybe this is a little bit of closing the barn door after the horses got out, but pasture rangeland and forage crop insurance is something that's available to insure against uh, drought conditions. So that, that would be something that you get through your crop insurance agent. And I would say a lot of times in my experience, um, the cost of that is pretty cheap to what you, to what you cover, um, at least in my experience. So I would, I would highly recommend uh, looking into that because a lot of times it, it is pennies on the dollar of investment versus what you get out of it. Yeah, I completely agree. That's, uh, that's really the only crop in, federal crop insurance policy that's effective for hay producers. Uh, oh, I guess their uh, whole farm revenue is another one that would probably work well in those situations. Just some options out there, giving producers vocabulary to Google the things and talk to a crop insurance agent. Yes, I can. I can. I agree with that. To close it up, um, you know, there is there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we uh, looked at the drought, you know, map for uh, Southern Plains, and while we are, um, you know, we're in a terrible drought, you know, last summer and. In the fall, we've we've had some uh, some some decent rains this winter, and as we come in the spring and it starts to green up, I feel like um, you know we're at least headed the right direction, and uh, everybody psychological is getting in a better better mindset that uh, you know it it will rain again. We all know it will, and I just think that um, doing your homework and making sure you're prepared and ready, you know, from having your equipment ready to go to the field. For, from winter postseason maintenance, making sure all your equipment's ready, uh, making sure you know your, your fertility's right in your in your hay fields, and going out there and um, you know the advantage like we talked about, you're going to have a premium product because there's not going to be any hay left in the market. So um, you know, really put the pencil to investing in in your hay this year. I, I really think it's going to really think it's going to pay off. I think that's good and sage advice. Thank you very much, Boyd, for joining the podcast today. It's There's good resources out there to help producers, and a lot of these thought processes are the right things to, to go through. Yes, sir, John. I appreciate the opportunity and look forward to it in the future. Thank you again to Vermeer for sponsoring the podcast, and thank you to Nick Palmieri at Palmieri Studios for doing all of our audio work. And thank you to Jessica Palmieri for being our social media coordinator. 